Hello and welcome to Rise of RevOps. This episode features an interview with Justin Gray, CCO at Shift Paradigm. Shift Paradigm is a consultancy that executes like an agency and represents an end-to-end shift in the way organizations align around growth. Justin Gray is a serial entrepreneur who has made a career of launching successful companies and scaling them with successful exits of over 250 million. After joining the Shift Paradigm family as a result of the Lead MD acquisition in early 2021, Justin slotted into a role near and dear to his heart, leading the go-to-market team where he manages sales, marketing, and business development. In this episode, Justin discusses facilitating the client journey, the importance of finding alignment at the executive level, and looking through the revenue operations lens. But first, a brief word from our sponsor. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on qualified.com. And now please enjoy this interview with Justin Gray, CCO at Shift Paradigm, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today I am joined by a special guest. Justin, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to chat about Shift Paradigm, RevOps, and everything in between. So let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about Shift Paradigm. Yeah, Shift Paradigm is a fairly new brand made up of a lot of old companies. So I was the CEO and founder of an organization called LeadMD, primarily a RevOps consultancy, also specializing in go-to-market, data science, research, and then just a lot of kind of nuts and bolts making things work at the end of the day, right? Rise of marketing technology has, has been a, a rampant and a swift one. And so we helped organizations really embrace those different tools integrate them together, apply process, and, and ultimately, ultimately succeed with those platforms. We were acquired in February of 2021 by a private equity-backed agency roll-up. So there were different organizations there that specialized all within kind of that circle of marketing technology, marketing go-to-market, and, and ultimately email production. So now we've come together under the ship paradigm umbrella and service growth stage all the way up to large enterprise organizations all centering around that notion of growth and connecting and leveraging technology to promote that growth. Awesome. And what's the scope of of your role? So I'm the chief revenue officer. So I own everything, marketing, sales, and partnerships, essentially the go-to-market motion. And taking a step back here, how'd you get started in RevOps? The best way to get started in something, and that's by accident. So I, unlike a lot of folks out there, because it's not very common, actually graduated with a degree in marketing and immediately started doing jobs that I hated. Marketing was very much kind of a traffic cop uh, role, at least a marketing coordinator role was back then. I graduated in 01 and kind of went through a string of, you know, marketing coordinator, marketing specialist, came up through that, that marketing channel, and then had an opportunity in 2006 to join an early stage startup, which I really had no idea what a startup was at that point. I just knew that they had very few employees. I was employee number six. And I came on as their first VP of, of sales and marketing. And with that, you know, you've got kind of that concurrent, again, rise of, of technology. Salesforce was just starting to kind of take over the world. And then this whole new category called marketing automation came into the mix. We were like 11th hour to buy Eloqua and went out to Dreamforce to formalize the contract, ran into the folks over at Marketo, of which they were like 15 people at that point in time. I met a guy named John Miller 
who gave me a demo of their platform, who, of course, is one of the, the ultimate co-founders over there. And, and those guys had a great exit and was just kind of blown away by that, that technology. It was easy to use. It, was, you know, it could accomplish everything that I wanted to do. And so right then, I, I kind of was thrust into what is now called revenue operations. How do I make this you know, pl- the first time where a platform is designed to serve marketing really marketing system of truth, how does that integrate with our, our then CRM, which was Salesforce? How does that integrate with the rest of our stack? How do we, you know, track the buying journey and, and, and you know, add new data and augment and understand that, that digital footprint and market successfully? So a lot of, you know, bumpy roads back then. There, there wasn't a ton of enablement around RevOps or, or marketing automation. And so I was fortunate enough to have an exit from, from that organization. And in you know, very much accidentally, a couple other organizations reached out and said, hey, would you come on and, and help us do the same thing that you did at that organization, which was called Billing Tree? And so I took a couple fractional gigs, kind of this weird blend between CMO and, and you know, RevOps manager, really kind of being in the weeds, but at the same time designing their strategy, their go-to-market. And that gave way to the ultimate birth of, of LeadMD. And we started to do that for organizations across the globe. What's your definition of RevOps? <laughs> Good question. I tend to think of, of, you know, marketing ops and sales ops always under that umbrella of, of RevOps just because we, we service predominantly B2B or, or considered purchase organizations. But it really is the nuts and bolts of, of how we get things done these days. You know, as you saw, marketing shift from kind of that agency traffic cop where, you know, in my early days, we were managing an ad agency and a creative agency and a web design agency. And then with the influx of uh, really marketing automation, that got put into the lap of, of marketers. You know, how are you going to acquire leads? How are you going to facilitate that, that buyer journey and lead someone to an ultimate point of purchase? All of those nuts and bolts and, and you know, kind of making that work at the end of the day falls to RevOps and it, you know, for me. So it is that, I hate to use a, a kind of a tired uh, description, but that, that process and technology coupled with the, the people know how to make it happen. That people process technology is, is at the fundamental, I think, I think, revenue operations. I'm curious, since you've been around for, for long enough to see sort of this transformation, kind of this birth and rebirth, like a phoenix from the flames and back again with sales ops, with marketing ops, now with revenue ops and, you know, customer success being a part of this, which, you know, historically wasn't really the case, or I guess technically was the case, but nobody really cared for a long time. Um, how do you think companies should be addressing revenue ops? How should they be building this new function? Yeah, in a lot of cases, in the opposite manner than would be intuitive or what they've, they've previously done in the past. And, and I say that because marketing has always been such an, an idea centric discipline, right? Like I've got a great idea for a campaign, who can be the most creative, who can come up with the next big disruptive, innovative thing. And that's great as long as that's aligned to what the client wants, what the customer wants at the end of the day. So now I always recommend that that revenue operations lens is looked at through the lens of the client. How do they want to purchase? How do they want to be enabled? How do they want to flow through that quote unquote buying cycle, which is really just their, their maturity cycle with you know, what, what is the use case that they're trying to solve for? And what's the solution that you have to provide that enables that? And how do they go from A to B within that process? And, and there's a lot of learning that goes into that. There's a lot of enablement. I think, you know, COVID was massively beneficial in terms of the kind of BS checker that that was for a lot of marketing and, and sales folks in that you have to give that value. We're not living in the age of, 
you know, put a gate in front of that, put a sales rep in front of that content, that value, that information. We need to give that all to the buyer now. And so how do they want to consume that? What do they need? What solves their pain? What is their KPI? And then structuring our, our ultimate processes and the technology to, to enable those processes around that core competency. I think so much of marketing over the years was being terrified that sales is going to think that you're not doing enough. So it's like, well, if we put everything behind a gate, if we put every event that you have to sign up for, you know, if you, if we, you know, need to take a, a vial of blood to prove that you, you were there and all that stuff, then we can go to sales with a list and be like, this is who came. This is what we did. This is like, you know, justifying all of that effort. And now with a lot of like with a modern MarTech stack, it's like, A, you don't have to gate anything anymore if you don't want to. And you don't have to monitor as closely that people are, are following a linear path because buyers don't follow a linear path. And so like, I'm curious, do you think that as, you know, a RevOps person or, you know, looking at, at people out there in RevOps, sort of, you don't necessarily have to, have to be like justifying marketing spend for for the sake of justifying that it's like you can get a little bit more tactical into, you know, helping sales and marketing and customer success figure out what is working with a bit, little bit more of like a pragmatic approach or, or am I totally off? Well, I, I think it calls attention to the, the one thing that I really coach marketers to pay attention to. And, and this is what I think is, is the biggest gate in terms of success as it pertains to marketing is does the organization and, and the CEO, the founder, fundamental, the board, whoever that, that kind of representative body is, right? Do they believe in marketing? Because to your point, so much of marketing is justification, right? Like we look at attribution, which is such a, you know, should be such a great tool to understand how we've influenced and, and, and what's been successful. But it's framed up through justification. It's framed up as I want to claim credit for that. And my job is justified and I should be able to hang on to that budget. And so much of that comes at the the tail of an org that just doesn't understand and doesn't believe in marketing. So as folks are are looking for you know a, a job, a new organization to call home, that that's the most fundamental for me. And it should be a, a no brainer if someone's hiring in marketing, right? But marketing has become table stakes. You have to have marketing. Everyone does it. Um, what that means and what that looks like within an organization is largely uh, uh, you know highly reciprocal to does that org and does that leader believe in marketing? Do they get it? Well, you know, I, I host a marketing podcast as well. And one of the things that's so interesting, marketing operations or rev ops has now become like an uncuttable thing for marketing, right? Like, I mean, no kidding. We, we've built our own prison in that regard in a lot of senses, right? Like you have to have it. Yeah, for sure. And so I think that there's sort of an adversarial uh, relationship uh, at times, especially with with sales ops, where you know instead of everyone sort of like seeking the truth, it's sort of like everyone's seeking to look at other stuff. But how would you recommend that revenue ops teams look at managing these three personalities, the sales, marketing, and customer success, to make sure that there's enough you know food to go into each uh, very large mouth? Yeah, I mean. Obviously, there's a, a necessity for all of those individuals, right? If we think about that, that you know how we serve our clients, how that that buyer buys, and how they progress all, all along that path, you have to be aligned at that executive level, right? You know, fundamentally, do those folks see value in one another? 
Do they understand their, their goal, their KPIs, their area of influence? And if you don't have that alignment at the top, it's, it's almost impossible to get that alignment from within the team. So I think that, that relationship at the executive level and just how they, how they view the necessity of their, their peers and their counterparts there is very indicative of, of how successful you will be in, the, in a RevOps role. But if you're, you know, like if you're like a manager and you're like the chief revenue officer and the chief marketing officer and, you know, the chief customer officer are all sitting in a room and you're like, hey, by the way, do you all know that you don't even like look at the same metrics sometimes, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is that can, can be challenging? Yeah, critical. Absolutely. And, and you know, if you're, you're finding yourself in the, that conversation, right, like, it's a difficult one, but I truly believe if you've done or, or, you know, probably an impetus to do some of the research, but if you talk to your clients and really where they're seeing value and, you know, what they want in each stage of that journey, I do believe like ideal customer profile work is, is at the heart of a lot of alignment or, you know, in, in relation to that topic. So that maybe is a, an avenue that folks can go down, right? Like, let's get our customers together. Let's do some focus groups. Let's, let's understand what they need. And then let's map that out across these, these three very important disciplines. How would you organize a RevOps team? And like, I, you know, I'd assume you, you have a RevOps team uh, as well. So you could share that. But, but also, how do you think that like RevOps team should be organized for some of the folks that, that you all work with? Yeah, we, we've got a kind of a different problem. Our, our problem is that our teams are so large, right? And so, but I, I do think it's some of the ways that we've structured those individuals, you know, internally to us, to a consultancy, to an agency has legs, you know, from the client side as well. And that's really to look at, do we have a team that's well-built to specify in a couple different disciplines, right? There's revenue operations through the lens of technology and you need really deep expertise within you know, the pieces of that particular tech stack. There's RevOps strategy. There's, you know, there's RevOps as it pertains to data management. So do we have strengths on our team that can care for and foster each one of those very specific areas that, and disciplines that revenue operations spans? And that's how I suggest anyone, you know, look at those different functions. Can we care for the strategy? Can we care for the process? Can we care for technology? And can we care for our data? And at the end of the day, we've got to make up the DNA of that team to ensure that, that we can focus on all those critical areas. So that may be different individuals. It may be someone who's multidisciplinary. But understanding that, you know, there's a lot of bridge that extends into different areas of our org. Someone has to be able to understand that, that kind of CMO mind, the strategy mind. How are we going to market? How are we engaging our buyers? And then span that into, again, process technology, data, and so forth. So I, I guess fractionally is kind of the answer around that. And that's kind of how we structure our, our disciplines here internally. RevOps isn't a team. They are members of our dis- different disciplinary teams. And it's, it's allowed us to, I think, be very successful in, in how we service clients. Oh, interesting. So you sort of, you know, have the, the different verticals and then RevOps is a slice of each of those rather than saying like, it's just like a giant pillar that serves everyone. Exactly. We kind of fraction that talent out. So again, we've got a, a strategy pillar, we have a technology pillar, we have a process pillar, and then what we call enablement, which is like very high volume campaigning and, and buyer engagement work. And RevOps will sit across each one of those disciplines with those specialties. And it, again, it, when, when you're from a client perspective, oftentimes you want to know how it's going to work, but 
more importantly, you want to know that that strategy is going to be cared for, like how it's going to work within our tech environment, how it's going to work within our process. How does that process maybe need to change? So it's very much a blended discipline and, and again, one that changes daily. So you need those, those specialties, those specializations. And then, you know, if for, if you were the, you know, VP of RevOps of, you know, whatever, a, a public SaaS company or something like that, how would you arrange your team, do you think? So I think the biggest question everyone asks is, should we separate marketing ops from, from sales ops? And I, and I really like a revenue operations team that serves those different disciplines, but is, is housed together. I think it's a great way to align those different journeys. You know, what marketing typically cares for, what sales, what customer success. If you can string that, you know, along one unified single mind, speaking metaphorically, obviously, but it, that, that is just so much more powerful than lighting up each one of these silos that has a, a huge propensity to kind of operate in a um, divisionally within what is one fluid buying journey. Yeah, I, I tend to feel the same way. And I feel like selfishly, the CRO and the CMO want to like, oh, that's my girl and like, she's awesome. <laughs> and I want to make sure that she's cranking on, you know, marketing stuff all day, every day or sales stuff all day, every day. And I totally get that. But as you said, like the buying journey is so multifactorial at this point. Like there just isn't, I mean, unless you're in one of those companies where you have a funnel that works like a, Boom, 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 boom. The re- the vast majority of us aren't like that. So if you're not looking at sales and marketing together as one motion, if someone isn't, and it should be someone who's close to technology, it you know it's hard to hard to imagine that stuff. So when you think about the biggest disconnect there, right? Like there's been so much focus put on sales and marketing alignment, and so there's been a lot of action that's that's come out of that. But the biggest disconnect is always, all right, they're a client now what, right? Like it's so important to bring customer success, whatever you call that, that, you know, customer support process that you have internally and, and make that part of that, that journey as well. That's the biggest disconnect that I see within organizations is, you know, maybe it was a great buying experience and then you're kind of starting over the minute that you become enabled on that tool, that service, whatever it happens to be. So I think that's so critical to, to extend into, into customer success as well. Any examples that you've seen of folks that have done that really well in terms of organizing their teams, bringing in customer success, anything like that? So obviously, we have a number of clients that that I think do this very well. And the similarity up, across them, so I'll name a few, right? Like you've got folks like in the, in the medical space, Edwards Life, Life Sciences, which is a, a med device organization, or in the healthcare space, Beckton Dickinson, BD. Um, the similarity, well, other than the fact that they're very large organizations, they've put a lot of focus on centers of excellence because they are so large, but also because they want to maintain those best practices. And I really, I see that concept as being so important, even as we're bridging, you know, marketing sales, customer success, you know, what is that RevOps best practice that can be scaled out, you know, amongst those different disciplines. So a lot of those orgs that we see that are are really mature within their RevOps journey have been doing this for a long time. That Their, their secret to success is having a center of excellence that is shared amongst those disparate teams. And especially when you get into field marketing, that's, that's such an important component. So I would say a lot of the organizations that I look to that that are admirable and, and are doing this really well have, have put a lot of focus on process, repeatability, best practices, enabling teams, and centers of excellence uh, seem to be a great tool to, to do just that. Yeah, digging in there to the 
the processes and, and around repeatability? Like what's an example of something like that? I mean, I think you take any any campaign, for example, right? Like you've got a marketing campaign that you want to run that's that's event focused. So again, a lot of our our clients have big field events teams, and that's just coming back as a result of of coming out of COVID. And you want to to view metrics in a way, in a certain way, coming off those events. Well, if I've got that center of excellence and I can deploy that to my customer success team, who's running very similar events but with a different focus. So I can get those same types of metrics. I can look across my my performance KPIs and understand that's what you know. E- even consistent stages, right? Like progression steps and 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 spanning how we run someone through a program or a campaign. That consistency is just so critical when you're when you're trying to get unified dashboards. Like one of my sayings I love is like the only wrong way to do something is inconsistently. So I think that's a a big help, especially in expansive orgs. All right, let's get to our next segment here rev obstacles obstacle obstacle an obstacle to what there's your obstacle where we talk about the tough parts of rev ops what's the hardest rev ops problem you faced in the last six months uh certainly scale and the acquisition of talent you know we've hired over 180 people in the org obviously not all within revops but but a lot within that discipline and you know you're dealing with a, a discipline that's incredibly new incredibly fresh it changes all the time it's so defined by the technologies that folks leverage and obviously when you're serving clients we have to have a a strong expertise in every platform that they use. So, you know, going out to the market, and this is what we hear from clients as well. I I don't think we have a single client who's not hiring someone in marketing and a lot of them within the area of RevOps. You know, there just are no, I'll say it, meaningful certifications out there to determine what level of talent is this person at? Like, what are their specialties? You can look at where someone has has been previously, right? Like largely revenues are are made up of logos these days. And if someone was at Google or they were at Adobe or they were at, you know, Toast or some you know high high velocity startup, we can make inferences about how skilled they are. But environmental fit is 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 such a a key element of that. So certainly as as we uh, scaled our team, you know, we're looking at all of that. We're looking at not only hard skills, but we're looking at soft skills. How how well do you operate within a rapidly scaling and changing environment where, you know, obviously the result of M&A and we continue to acquire organizations. We just uh, announced one like 10 days ago. So that's a different environment than, you know, a C or D round technology organization that's largely dealing with optimization and and focused on scale. We're, we're focused on growth. And so we have to tap into that mindset along with the fact that there just really are not a lot of great measures to understand how how skilled someone is in, the, in that space. What about a, a rev oops moment? Is there a mistake that you've made in the past year or maybe you've seen one of your clients make as relates to their, uh, their rev ops? Yeah, I mean, as you know, rev ops becomes a, a spider web pretty quickly, a bird's nest. And so even when you have new talent coming on board and you know a direct reflection of, of the challenge I just mentioned, but folks that enter a, a RevOps seat are, are not always as skilled at coming into new environments as perhaps they were in building their previous environment. Like, again, these, these stacks are new. A lot of people's first experience is their own experience right now. And so bringing someone into an environment where we've got a, a marketing automation platform that 
has 11 plus years of history running on it, a CRM that has 12 plus years of history uh, running on it. And suddenly you do that first import, you don't really understand, hey, what what are the operations campaigns running in the background? How's this going to impact something like scoring? You know, we use a lot of complex platforms like Sixth Sense for, for predictive scoring and, and, and modeling. So yeah, we've had a, a couple of oops moments in, in terms of, oh, wow, why are we... Um, uh, why are we qualifying all those folks for this campaign? I'm pretty sure 40,000 people just didn't become uh, a warm lead, right? So there's always little landmines that, that are obviously learning moments. But I think that also speaks to, you know, the challenges that all orgs are eventually going to face as as we mature on these platforms. And, and suddenly they're not a year old, they're 10 years old. And there's a lot of bodies buried out there. And, and documentation, quite frankly, is is something that I think marketing and, and revenue operations are, are not really skilled in relation to as a, as a whole these days. You know, a lot of your kind of opinionated, you know, you get your walk me's and your pendos of the world, right? Like just kind of that in-app guidance. I think you're going to see a big rise in, in popularity of those areas as tech stacks mature. And, and we run into more and more challenge about how do we onboard someone into this environment successfully and, and ensure that we don't have a lot of those oops moments. So when someone comes to you, looking for RevOps support and they're like, hey, you know, we understand the shift. We want to focus on growth. You know, we need to, we need revenue operations as a weak point. Are they usually coming to you with a RevOps leader in place that like identifies that and that's like, hey, I would like to work with someone? Or are they usually coming to you with like a big, you know, gaping hole and saying, hey, what the heck should we be doing? So in terms of inflection points for us, like loss of talent or new talent in seat or acquisition, merger, like those tend to be really big inflection points where organizations reach out and they say, we need help, right? Like maybe they're buying a new platform. Maybe they're coming to the end of a contract. So a lot of times change is really, really in the air when someone reaches out to engage us. Most often in terms of acquiring a new platform, like, hey, we think we're ready for a customer data platform or Maybe it's just a point solution. Maybe we're ready for an ABM tool or, wh- or what have you. There are those those times where they lost a resource and they're looking to fill that gap. But the real consistency there is change. And, and, and obviously, that's a, a plus for our business because change is so prevalent. COVID, again, another major change where for the first time ever, I saw CROs and CMOs getting on the call with us and saying, you guys figure it out, meaning their team, or you guys don't have a home here in six months, and then bouncing off the Zoom. So that was both a really exciting time for us because those those gates had kind of been removed versus like, hey, we want you guys to help us in this area of the business. Like everything was kind of on the table. And at the same time, a really scary moment, right? Like you want to help people do their jobs well. You want to help them navigate through those times of change. So really change is, is the biggest constant there. Any other stuff that you see on like common mistakes or, or things people miss or ways that they overinvest or underinvest or yeah, any, uh, any rev obstacles? Yeah, I, I think certainly the most predominant, and this is like by a country mile, right? Like the biggest issue that we see, the biggest challenge is overinvesting. It's technology first thinking. And I don't blame marketers for this because, you know, these shiny objects are very shiny. Um, there's new technology every single day. It's so easy to glom onto a new trend like ABM or PLG and Google it and say, what's, you know, or talk to a friend, like, what's, you know, what, what are you guys using for ABM? And suddenly like that, that's, that, that's a buying process, right? 
marketing is is a sexy discipline, but oftentimes it starts with you know the grunt work. It starts with putting in you know the labor to figure out do we need an account based motion? Uh, how you know for what segments of our go to market? For what segments of our customer? Do we really understand who those customers are, or should we take a, a step back and focus on? redefining TAM, redefining ICP, and, and really getting some solid persona work done before we buy that shiny tool, right? That the orgs that do that, that pre-work, that background, and, and really feel confident that they've got the foundation laid are the ones that are successful with technology. Um, it's not hard to throw a rock and hit someone that is, you know, adopting a new process or adopting, you know, what, fill in the blank by buying technology. That is still absolutely the most predominant trend. And oftentimes we're filling in gaps post that purchase because no one did that 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 pre-work ahead of time. So uh, I would definitely still encourage folks, even though it's you know not the best thing to say for my business because we're happy to fill those gaps. But um, I would really encourage folks to focus on you know the who, what, when, where, and why before we go out and we buy that that new tool to enable the entire process. Yeah, I mean it goes back to strategy. I mean you know it's one of the things that we um, we deal with at, at, at Caspian when we. When we onboard our customers to to create podcasts and video series, where they have to have the go to market motion that fits within that thing, like yeah, of course, I think every you know every single company should have you know three, four, five, six, whatever podcast or video series. But at the end of the day, like it has to map into their go to market, and like I can't sit there and you know build your go to market and say this is how it should fit. Like here's your content strategy. Like here you go. Like I can I'll provide as much help as as you can, and our team can work on that with you. But like at the end of the day, if you just want to sort of you know slap something on, and I feel the same way with technology. Is like a lot of the times how their sales organization feels about something or you know or whatever it is, and just saying hey we're going to slap some technology on and hope that it works when like that's not really how you're actually going to market or or if it is you don't really care about certain other things then um you know that that doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily make sense yeah it, it's always easy to jump to the end right like to your point you know how are we organizing this content to be you know i think most people you know start podcasts for awareness and for list building right like we want to create a house list we want to be you know our own media publisher uh, which everyone does these days, but really, how have you, or, you know, integrated that into, to your point, your marketing motion, your sales motion? How are you leveraging that content, keeping it evergreen? You know, utilizing it for the right questions, promotion within the sales process for your clients, right? Like, there's there's so many ways to to scale out this this thing, this motion, but um, it's so attractive just to jump at the end and say, hey, these guys can get it up and live for us. We can check that box. We've got a podcast, right? Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah, and and, and another par- parallel real quick there was, you know, like we have a few customers that use Wistia and, you know, and it's a great tool. And then, and it's uh, fantastic for video. And so you say, well, hey, you know, if we drop this X video on on this page, we can we can track it. And then you say something like, and this is just an example that kind of speaks to the same MarTech solution to attribution, all that stuff. It's like, hey, well, this video that we posted, you know, doesn't have quite as many views for X, Y, or Z reason. I feel like you know, folks, folks just might rush to uh, rush to just you know slap some slap some tech on it, and that's not quite there. All right, let's go to our next segment here. 
the tool shed. Hey, hey Brandon, Michael, wanna do me and mom a favor, get off that shed? This is my favorite place, <laughs> the tool shed. Get off the shed! Or we're talking tools, spreadsheets, metrics, just like everyone's favorite tool, Qualified. No B2B tool shed is complete without Qualified. Go to qualified.com right now and check them out. This is a tool that you can just slap on tomorrow, and you should be if you're a Salesforce customer, that's for sure, because it uh, it pays for itself. So go to qualified.com right now and check them out. Justin, what's in your tool shed? I mean, of course, you've got the basics, right? Like, I think most organizations have a marketing automation platform and a CRM these days. So we've always been a, a Marketo and a Salesforce shop. I think the last time we did an analysis, we've got over 60 tools in the in the stack. We get a lot of technology, obviously, for for you know our partnerships, and we've got some some great partners out there and and a robust um, network of those folks. But I would say at the end of the day, the stuff that we can't live without, certainly Marketo, Salesforce, Sixth Sense does all of our segmentation. It does all of our scoring. It does all of our digital ads. A lot of our ABM metrics uh, reside within that platform. We, we absolutely are, are an account-based go-to-market motion. We want to be focusing on our ideal clients only, so it makes a ton of sense for us. Um, let's see, what else? Print and mail. We do uh, a decent amount of print and mail, so we do uh, use Sendoso for that. Let's see, what else from a criticality standpoint? Tons of little widgets like lean data that help us route and, and, and you know, further segment data within CRM. That's kind of the core stack. Any tools that you've been trying out recently? Something, something new, something cool? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the new stuff that we're looking towards is CDP-focused, right? So our, our friends over at Telium, we love their product. Um, we also love, uh, I think, in, any marketing department these days should have a Snowflake instance if they don't already have one, just in, in terms of getting access to metrics that make sense, that span marketing, sales, customer success. And we see a lot of that from a customer standpoint as well. Snowflake has just gotten incredibly popular. You know, light that up with an ETL tool to extract data with a visualization layer in Tableau. And, and frankly, a lot of organizations would solve their KPIs and their visibility challenges that are created by opinionated software that doesn't necessarily jive from an architecture standpoint. So especially as we're talking about, you know, marketing sales, customer success, bringing those together, I'd, I'd highly recommend that you know, orgs explore some sort of data warehouse solution with a light ETL and, you know, Tableau, Power BI, what, you know, whatever they have access to for visualization. Um, and I think we'd get away from a lot of spreadsheets and last minute board decks with the, the type of additive tool set. Are you a fan of spreadsheets? <laughs> I am not a fan of spreadsheets. I, I, I really never have been. I think it goes back to my my college days and, and not really being able to uh, be the best Excel user. I do think they're necessary. I just think it needs to be an intentional question within an organization. Like at this size, at this scale, at this point in time, should we be using a spreadsheet for fill in the blank? I think the question that is often no, and I'll give you an example of that. So I think nine, eight, nine years, we operated on a commission model that was, I thought, pretty complex. And we had built this monstrous spreadsheet to, to reinforce that, right? Like a lot of different deal nuances. You had like year one comp versus past year one comp. We had a, at LeadMD, we had pretty much everyone in the organization tied to some sort of variable compensation plan. So it had gotten pretty out of control, right? And there were like three people in the org that could even operate the damn thing. And so we made the, the, the very, very intentional decision to move to uh, a software platform, which was Spiff 
which I highly recommend anyone take a look at who's who's exploring scaling their their compensation operations. And it was great. I mean, ultimately, it turns out they were able to meet our needs in that regard. My, you know, variably compensated folks can log in, they can get a, hey, if everything in pipeline closed, if these deals closed, they can kind of get that variable look into their their comp structure. And it's been incredibly powerful just getting that out of the, you know, hands of my controller, myself and, and my billing manager. Um, so that's just one example, right? Like now in the early days, I would not pay, you know, for a, a compensation software and a, and a spreadsheet was a great way to make that happen or, you know, pulling together some quick and dirty data and making things jive. But I think at some point we, we have to graduate off spreadsheets, not as an org, but for a particular need. Are there any blind spots that you feel like you have that you wish you could measure better? I don't know that it's a blind spot, but it's an area that is difficult to measure that requires a lot of intentionality and a lot of curation. And I will say this is probably a blind spot for most organizations because I've seen it within our client orgs and it's it's a really different area, difficult area to measure. So I'll kind of back up and I'll give you guys a whole diatribe here, which is great, right? I truly believe, and I think COVID just put the exclamation point on this sentence, that from a customer success standpoint, we have to stop measuring ourselves along the lines of metrics that make sense for our organization and measuring ourselves in accordance with our clients' organizations. What I mean by that is, so take your your typical gain site software provider mentality that we can build proxies for customer success, i.e. number of users, number of emails sent, number of campaigns built, you know, complexity, like usage of the software as a proxy for success with the software. And I, I very much disagree with this sentiment because I've been on, I am on the cu- customer side, right, quite often. And just because I'm using a tool does not mean that I'm seeing value from that tool. It just means that I'm, I'm conducting mission-critical items. I, can, I may very well switch to a new provider next month if I feel like they can meet my needs better. About probably about four or five years ago, we rolled out something meant to solve for this within, you know, then LeadMD, now Shift Paradigm, called Outcomes. And so as most organizations use leads to identify a new potential buyer, right? Then they're going to bring that that buyer through the, the, the buying journey. We use something called outcomes. And what that outcome is, is what is the mission critical objective that that client is trying to achieve? So we talked earlier about, you know, uh, points of inflection or, 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 you know, areas of change that are driving engagement with a consultancy. Normally it's to grow revenue, to retain revenue, to expand revenue at the fundamental. But along the way, there's a lot of, you know, uh, dependencies, right? Like we want to grow revenue by launching X product into X market, and we want to achieve a penetration of 30% by X date, right? That is the foundation of a good outcome. So we will enter that outcome. Obviously, it's attached to a leader context, so we're not totally divorced from that concept. But we we structure these outcomes as a way to provide consistency and visibility across that service cycle. The first conversation they have with a, a sales rep we're going to start recording that. We're going to start curating it over time. When we bring in consultants, when we bring in principals, which are like strategic advisors. They're all working on that, that outcome till we get to a point where we and the client say, yes, this is what we're trying to achieve. Here are the deliverables that are going to do that at the end of the day. And how are we going to measure that project, that, you know, that initiative, that engagement? That goes on our scope of work. Like That literally gets signed by ourselves and the client. 
And I'm using that example, you know, because I truly believe during COVID, like everyone was reaching out, how can I help? How's this impacting your business? And they should have already known the answer to that question. They should have known the answer to what that that client was fundamentally trying to achieve and the role that they played in that achievement. Now, COVID might change it, you know, and I think that is a much better question to ask, right? Like, hey, we were trying to uh, enable you to do X. How is COVID changing that? How do we need to course correct? How do we need to, you know, to adjust our service, our product, the way we're enabling you to ensure that you achieve that goal? I think that's what buyers are expecting these days. They're expecting that our KPIs are their KPIs. When we do those terrible QBRs or annual reviews, they want to know that, hey, we're going into that informed. We're not asking you, what are your strategic goals for this next year? What were they for the past 12 months? Like, we know that. And we're, we're coming with recommendations. We're coming with areas that, that are pre-built in terms of, here's how we think we can provide value. Obviously, there's going to be feedback from the client involved in that process. But they want to know that someone is, is riding right there with them, shotgun, in, in, in their business's growth. And so I think the, the, the biggest blind spot is just that, is, is measuring ourselves in the same way that our clients are measuring us. And the reason I put it in that blind spot category, I certainly think there's a lot of orgs that don't do that today. But even ourselves who, who I mean, this, this is a core tenet of, of Ship Paradigm, it's difficult to do. And it's difficult to do because there's so many translation layers in an org. You're, you're inevitably going to speak to someone who says, success is standing up this platform. Okay, that may be the, the RevOps you know, uh, practitioner's view of the world, but is that the CMO's view of the world? Is that the board member's view of the world? So there can be a different objectives and outcomes within an organization as well. And I think we need to challenge ourselves to speak the same KPIs and the same language as the clients that we serve. Yeah, that's it's one of the things that's been been tough when it when you have a product that sort of fits most multiple needs within a buying committee or a buying group or things like that it's like well hey you know i want you know the chro needs to get their compliance need met and the cfo needs to be able to you know whatever make them make yeah, the show, numbers show profit work. at the end of the day right <laughs> yeah show profit right uh etc 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 so it's it's a it's always a little tough because you're like there's all these sort of different things and your solution needs to be able to tick, hopefully, all of those. But sometimes it's not going to tick a couple of those. And, you know, that's where you can get a little all the... So, and, and that's a great RevOps example, right? Like, so we built this. This is a custom object in, in Salesforce. It's actually got a couple of custom objects hanging off of it to track the cyclic nature of what we call outcomes, right? Like, we may take a shot at selling a project that achieves that outcomes, that outcome, and maybe we lose that project. Well, we want to record the fact that we took that shot. We also want to keep that outcome live and take another shot eventually down the road. It becomes even more prevalent within client cycles. So you need that strategic understanding of how deals move through a system, of what we're trying to record with, with outcomes. And then you need that operational wherewithal to, to build that within Salesforce, within our reporting tools, to have marketing automation react to it to ensure that we're sharing that data, even for us within our, our project management platform, which is Adobe Workfront, that object is actually shared between those two p- platforms. I think projects like that are, are what gets me excited about RevOps because they're not just the age old, hey, let me plug in Salesforce and Marketo. Like we've been doing that for a long time these days, but truly what is that business need that we can facilitate with good process, with good technology, um, and with a caring for the ultimate strategy for the business? 
Okay, let's get to our final segment, Quick Hits. Quick! Quick! These are quick questions and quick answers. Justin, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it quickly. (laughs) If you could make any animal, any size, what animal, what size? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, truly a question that I've never considered before in my life. Um, <laughs> I, would make an, I would make an animal uh, that would act, behave, and, and have all the characteristics of my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Um, <laughs> probably the same size. I, basically, I just want to make my daughter as everyone's pet um, because she's awesome. She, she is the, and I, I'm sure this will come back to bite me later on in life, but she is the most love forward individual i've ever seen in my life if, if we were in a room she'd run up to you and tell you she loved you right now That's um, awesome. so she's just an, an awesome spirit and a great reminder of um uh, of how you know carefree and happy we all should be do you have any uh rev ops predictions for us um i've got a lot of rev ops predictions i i you know we, we could deal with the boring ones which are like the rise of plg and the continuance of abm and and, and so on but i really do think the the most important fundamental RevOps prediction is that what I mentioned earlier in terms of KPIs, right? Like that, that's not a nice to have. That, that is how our clients will be holding us responsible for their businesses. We have to become business partners with, with the organizations that we serve. We have to understand their metrics. Um, and so I think RevOps as a whole has to respond in kind. Like we have to start recording why our clients are purchasing from us. And we need to start serving that need and kind of being the steward of that from marketing to sales and to customer success. And, and, and at the end of the day, lighting that up is a fundamental KPI. I think it's just so critical that, that RevOps is able to show value, right? And I think the connective tissue between those, those different departments is, is at the, the heart of showing that value. Um, we've got so many clients that are going through budget cycles right now and, and a lot of them are trying to either hang on to budget that they feel they can lose or are trying to win back budget that's already been taken from them as a result of, you know, first COVID, then the economy and so on and so forth. Um, and so I think that's a great way to, to show marketing and, and sales and certainly customer success's value is, is aligning that organization, certainly around the buyer's journey, but more importantly about the buyer's value journey. Favorite movie character of all time. Oh, I got to go with Darth Vader. I mean, it really is. I, I, I've always loved anything, you know, the, I love the villain in black. So Darth Vader, certainly. Best advice for someone who is newly leading a RevOps team? Talk to as many, I, I would say, both marketing and sales leaders as possible. Outside your org, you know, just, I, I always encourage everyone, like I've never had anyone reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, hey, can I have five minutes of your time that I've turned down? Really? And I truly believe that that executives are are generous with their time if they're good folks. And I think a lot of them are. Um, not a sales pitch, right? Like not the old, hey, can you look at my tool for five minutes? Or hey, are you interested in business financing? Um, but truly like, hey, I'm, I'm a, stu- a student of this discipline. I just want to you know, get your advice for five minutes. I, I, I will make the prediction that you will get more yeses than noes, certainly within that, that outreach. Well, maybe you're the most love forward person because if you're accepting that many invites, you're you're a champ, Justin. Um, Seriously, I, I get very few. Uh, I will say this: I get very few um, truly like sincere outreaches like that. Normally, once someone yeah. wants to sell me something, you know. But I've had student. I had a student from Germany who reached out to me like 
I, I do know a little bit of German, but you know, we made it work in English and, and it was a great conversation. I think we even had a, we did, we had a follow up to it. Like any of that, like truly like, Hey, I just want to learn from you. I, I, I think people are, are ripe for that. Well, that's it. Justin, that's all we got for today. Thanks so much for uh, for joining the show. For our listeners, go to shiftparadigm.com to learn more. Obviously, if you need some RevOps help, who better to ask? Go check out Shift Paradigm. Uh, yeah, any any final thoughts? Anything to plug? I mean, any, I know this episode is going to be up for a while. So like just, you know, like you said, go to, our, go to our website, our best practices area. I think we roll three to four new pieces of, of content and, and best practices live on a monthly basis. We give away a ton of knowledge. Go there, check it out, get answers to your questions. Our events uh, area of the site will certainly show you where we're going to be. We try to be anywhere where RevOps or, or go-to-market is happening. And, and if you can't find what you're looking at there or looking for there, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Unless you're trying to sell me something, I will definitely respond. <laughs> I love it. Thanks again, Justin. For sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.